Hello and welcome to another edition of Conversations of the Heart. It is your boy T. Till. Uh, we have a special guest, very, very special esteemed guest here. Um, friend of the show, um, incredible woman, um, Saya B. Hagen. Um, she is a licensed school counselor, um, you know, with the New York City Department of Education. Uh, she has a bachelor's in psychology. She has two master's degrees, one in education and guidance and counseling, as well as a master's degree in mental health counseling. And she also has her certification in family counseling and school administration. Um, as well, um, she is an author of an incredible book, um, called the journey continues um i feel like i'm running out of things to say about you um you have a lot going on you have a lot of things um a lot of accomplishments and um much needed in our community as well um to see uh representation in the mental health community um and being an advocate you know we definitely need more people like you to kind of step up to the plate um and tackle some of these issues um so very much so appreciate you for joining me on this conversation more so of a part two of this conversation that we, we had yeah. last season yeah. um you know where you talked about your journey um you know through abuse and and and, and you detailed a lot in in that part one um of what yeah. you endured um yeah. on on that journey and so today uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but, but more so about the journey after, you know, the uh, what happens, you know, you've been, you've gone through a lot, right? And then what happens after? But but first, um, I'll give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, um, you know, tell them what you do, um, you know, and where they can find you, um, where they can follow you, and 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 then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. I want to say that back for a part two. I really enjoyed our part one, so I'm happy to be back again. So I am Saya B. Hagen. Just like Terrence said, I'm happy to be back. I am a survivor author. I'm a mental health counselor. I'm also a school counselor, and I am I do advocacy work and support work for survivors. So I'm happy to be here. Um, you can find me at Saya B. Hagen on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube starting this year, some content there. Um, I also have an Instagram page for Sanctuary for Survivors. That is for all survivors, um, whether you are male or female. And so that is who I am. Yeah. So perfect. And you know what? I want to give the caveat here because when we first did the show, we met, you know, through uh, social media, whatever the case was. I forgot how we met, but we met through social media. And then, you know, I think it might have been Clubhouse. Um, yeah. I think I saw one of my friends that was in your in, in your room. And then I went in your room and then I joined one of the conversations and then we connected and then we had conversations and I was a guest on your show on Clubhouse and you were, then you became a guest on uh, uh, my show, Conversations of Heart, live on, on Instagram. And, um, and finding out later, ladies and gentlemen, that she, <laughs> this lovely, this. <laughs> I'm I'm dropping it right now that this lovely woman here is my cousin, and I never knew this. In the first episode, we did a whole episode about 
yeah. abuse, survivor, you know, um, you know, being abused um, by somebody that was in a, her family. And, yeah. I'm, and I was sitting there like, oh, my goodness, like hearing the story. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, like, you know, she's so strong. Like, I can't believe somebody would do this in her family. Like, how does she overcome? And I'm thinking about this. And I think it was, I don't know, two months, three months later. I don't even know how many months later. It comes to fruition that we are actually cousins. Um, and um, but I'll be honest with you, I couldn't be happier. Um, couldn't be happier of of one finding out that you're my cousin because we started to build a great relationship. Um, you know, from before and yeah. um during those times, even before we knew. And yeah. then once we found out, you know, we've just been continuously building and you know finding out years later that you have a cousin out there and i, I know that happens yeah. in black families all the time um yes, normally, sure. <laughs> but but it normally happens at on funerals or weddings right yes, you know this, a good thing. this just happened to happen through social media you know and um through friends and and of how we met and um so you know look you know so i just wanted to put that caveat out there so you know the first the first episode didn't know i was talking to family funny how that works um now i know i'm, I'm talking to family um but none but nonetheless i'm proud of her i i'm honored that she's here um i'm not just saying that because she is my family now i said that on the first episode um when i didn't know that she was family she's phenomenal she's doing amazing things in the community so i just wanted to just you know i thought that was a fun fact for everybody out there so definitely a i don't lie to you you mess with her though you mess with me i'm just saying she's fam that, that's just the way it's gonna be but nevertheless now that we got that out the way appreciate you again appreciate you cuzzo um and uh yeah so going through this process um of survivorship and the one thing i do notice about you is when you have videos um you have content Mm-hmm. you address everybody as a survivor yes why is that well I think everybody is a survivor particularly mm-hmm. as we are slowly starting to come out of COVID right um we're in it but mm-hmm. not where as we were but everybody has their own experience of experiencing and going through some form of trauma right mm-hmm. so Although my um, my audience is primarily um, women and and some men, right? Because yeah. what we talked about earlier in regards to domestic violence and sexual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trauma is does not it's not just those two areas. Trauma includes the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child. Like so, there's so many different types of survivors. So when I do address uh, my audience when I'm doing a live or when I'm putting out a post, I always say, hey, survivors, because I do feel like we are all survivors. We have all gone through something and mm-hmm. come out on the side. Maybe we're still working through something, but we're still here. So the mm-hmm. fact that we're still here, we're, we're survivors. So that's why I address my audience like that. And that's so true. And it's like, we always go do one thing to another. So you mentioned when we're still in COVID, but we're kind of kind of coming out. I, I don't know. Seems like there's always oh, something new. And yeah. then now and then now we got the monkey pox. The monkey pox. Yeah, that's what I was gonna mention. And, now now it's monkeypox. So. You know, so that thing crazy. But that's another story for another day. But yeah, I don't want that. Um <laughs> whew, um, but 
you know, so going through like being, you know, sexually abused and things like that. And, and it's very traumatic, um, you yeah. know, obviously for anybody who is sexually abused. Um, it is traumatic mm-hmm. uh, on a lot of different levels, physically, obviously, physically and mentally, emotionally, um, especially when you're young. Yeah. Right. Um, even as an adult, obviously, it, it's still the same. But when you're when this happens to you uh, when you're young, I, I assume, mm-hmm. um, you know, that there's a lot of stages that you go through. Right. You know, I, I, I've had unfortunately, I, I have spoken to some other people who have been or who have gone through this um Mm -hmm. and it ranges from the uh on severity of the spectrum right you know there are people who have been like you know you know raped and 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 then there are people who were just kind of just um taken advantage of right like and you know like it may not have gone to the actual that particular act but it could Mm -hmm. have been close um you know, or or whatever the case is, and it's still amazing how it's has shaped their lives, yeah. um, on a, a lot of different levels. No, no matter what the severity is, um, just that moment they'll never forget where they were at that moment and at that time, mm-hmm. right? And that changed how they interacted with men, um, or women. You know, yeah. depends, right? Um, and it just completely changed them and and how they looked at things and how they act towards things and how they communicate um with the opposite excuse me with the opposite sex um as an adult now um the trust issues mm-hmm. a lot of different things that they go through you know so this show is about really navigating those waters yeah. right yeah and coming from somebody who is who has went through this unfortunate uh unfortunate event and mm-hmm. and also now is on the mental health side mm-hmm. which is which is amazing to even to even say um right in a sense of being able to you know being a mental health counselor right you know after everything that has happened with you um so how does one kind of begin let's start at the beginning be kind of like if you were a young lady Mm -hmm. or when you were a young lady like what advice would you give to a young lady to say you know where do I begin to heal or begin this journey to start again right because you seem like your life can stop yeah right I think the the I always say the first part of the healing journey is acknowledging. You mm. have to be able to acknowledge that the event has happened. In order for you to acknowledge it, you have to understand that there there has been an impact. And a lot of times when when abuse happens at such a young age, so I was 12 and 14 when my abuse happened. So it wasn't just a moment for me, it was moments, right? right. It was two different, two different individuals. Mm-hmm. So it was the acknowledgement. So I think for my age at that time, I was able to acknowledge that happened because as I said, when we had the uh, our conversation previously that I had to tell my parents, my, I had to mm-hmm. tell my parents what had happened. And 
as I remember, I did, I could not verbalize it. I had to write it, right? But I had to get it out. Mm. I had to tell them in some way, shape, or form. So wow. I think it, it always starts with acknowledgement. But I wouldn't. I would say that as I got older and I grew mm-hmm. into a young adult, that's when I really started to understand the impact of the abuse, wow. right? So I knew this happened to me. I knew that it. it it was not supposed to happen. I knew it was wrong. I knew the person who did it was wrong and they should not have done it. But as far as the impact it had on me and on my life and how I viewed relationships, how I interacted with people, it wasn't until I was like a young adult that I really understood the full impact. And when you have that understanding and there's there's acknowledgement along with that, then that's when you can start the healing process. And so all the things that you mentioned, I had I had trust issues. I had trust issues with men because I was abused by men, right? It could mm-hmm. be different than somebody else depending on who you were abused by. But because right. I, I, I was abused by men and men that I was supposed to trust that that was in within our family circle, mm-hmm. there was a major trust issue. Mm. And it was primarily towards men, but as I got older, I realized it was it became gen- really generalized, and it became with people in general. Um, mm. And so, when you understand the impact that the abuse has, and sometimes that takes a while, right? Then that's when you can start, you know, the healing, your your healing journey. That's when you can start seeking support. Um, you can start trying to find your safe circles, people who are going to support you and not judge you, people mm. who will be that listening ear um, and people who are not trying to fix you, right? Because then mm-hmm. we have those people who love us, right? Who care about us and people who always try to fix something. There's some things that you can't fix, right? There's some things that you just have to allow the person to go through the process and just be there for them. Mm. Wow. That's, um, well, that's one, that's good information too. Um, and good advice, but you know, where does one kind of just say, Hey, you know, um, finding safe spaces. Mm-hmm. I believe in general, people have to find safe spaces in within family within relationships, within friendships, there has to be safe spaces, right? But when when you have trust issues because of something that happened so traumatic like that, how do you begin to trust again? How do you begin to um, build those safe spaces again um, mm-hmm. or find them? Because like you said, then, you know, it became one, yes, about men, but mm-hmm. now it's about both men and women. Generally, I don't trust you guys because- mm-hmm. Because I was betrayed, you're betrayed mm-hmm. by yes. somebody that was close to you. So that yep. means, you know, it could be a woman or a man, somebody close to you, and they, and now you just have those issues, those trust issues. Um, you know, so how did you begin to 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 create or get those safe spaces or those uh, people of trust, um, so that you could begin? that process of learning how to trust again like how did you overcome that and then how did you begin to build your safe spaces within your own village Mm -hmm. so as a like I said my the impact of the abuse didn't wasn't really clear to me until I became a young adult yeah for me 
you know, my place of healing started at church, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember um, that one day I was sitting in service and um, the pastor was preaching this particular Sunday about um, chains being broken. And it was mm. re- regarding um, abuse, women who have been abused. Wow. And, you know, of course they had altar call and for those who needed prayer to come to the altar. Mm-hmm. And prior to that happening, I had a lady who was interning with me and, you know, she had a conversation and she said, did you ever think that your trust issues your mistrust of men came from stem from your abuse. And I was mm. like, hmm, I never really thought about it that way before. I say, mm. you know, that's what I want to pray about. I'll think about it. And I said, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. That following Sunday, that literally that following Sunday, I went to service and the word was um, like, I don't remember the exact title, but chains being broken. And I knew that was my time to come to the altar and to start my healing. Now, I didn't know how that was going to look like, right? So for all of our churchgoers, we, you know, it was the messy, snot crying, falling out on the altar to, and it, and it wasn't even a come to Jesus moment because I had already came to Jesus. It's what, this was like, this is the time of your healing. So this is where you're going to have to start with the healing process. So that's for me, that was my healing. That was the start of my healing journey. Um, And then from there, I sought therapy. So as you heard me say, one of the, my intern had mentioned that to me um, about my issue, my mistrust of men. So I would, you know, for me, that's where my, my place of healing started, but it always starts with that one person you can trust. Right. So everybody has one person and whether you are um, a teen, a young adult or, you know, just an older adult, you have that one person that you can talk to. You have that one person who can hear you, who will not betray you and, and, you know, will not share what is confidential. And if you don't have anybody else, that one person, that's where you start, because it. It's something about the healing process that starts when you start verbalizing what has happened to you. The, you know, and prior to us doing that, it's just ruminating in our heads. We'll just go over it over and over and over again. We can also write it down. That's another form of release and starting the healing process. But it usually starts with that one person. And hearing yourself say it to somebody else is a very powerful tool. So you know, we can have it in our head. We know like this happened to us, but for us to verbalize it and to share it with somebody else, that's another level because now you're hearing yourself saying that and same thing as writing it. Now you're reading your thought instead of it being, you know, in your head over and over again, as I say, the tape that continues to play. So you have to find out what works for you and like Mm. what have is available to you. Sometimes it's just that one person sometimes it's the what happened to me there was there was a to me that was intent that was God's intent and him leading me to my healing journey it it wasn't a coincidence that I had this conversation with uh, you know my intern and then that same Sunday this word was preached that had me started on my healing journey so everybody is different but everybody has that one person 
mm. that they go to and they can say, hey, this happened to me, mm. you know, um, and that just opens the door because even you even expressing that to that person opens the door. Yes, it may be painful. And I'm not saying that it's not going to be, but it is a form of it's no longer just in my head. Now I have actually verbalized it to somebody. And it's so many believers. I mean, I'm sorry, there's so many survivors who have not taken that one simple step. Mm. It's still playing the tape in their head over and over again about this is what happened to me. And I'm talking about this may have happened 10, 15 years ago, but they're yes. still playing the tape in their head. Mm-hmm. Like and they're holding on to it. So that's why that conversation, whether mm. it's you know, writing it down, verbalizing it to somebody, having that is is so powerful because we just we will just hold on to it. Mm. That I would say start there. Wow. Start with uh. that one. Starting with the one person, um, you were in church um, and and also therapy. Um, I started with, it started with me being in church and then I started therapy thereafter. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I I always have a saying, um, it's, it's God and therapy. Absolutely. You can do both. You can do both. Can you, you know, say again, please? Yes, okay. God and therapy. You can do both. You can do both. Because you I know one thing that you guys do both is you do God and then you go to your doctor. If you're not feeling well, you go to your doctor. You you know, you don't you don't just sit home and you got a fever of 102 or whatever the case is, or you're not sitting there with a broken arm just saying, well, no, we're just gonna let God fix it. Nah, mm-hmm. your your arm hanging off. Yeah, your, your arm hanging off like this. You, you already know what you're doing. You go yes. to the doctor to get that thing put back in place. That's right. right. So, with our mental health mm-hmm. and with our traumas, we've got to get past stigmas about mental health. And oh, you're not a you're not a believer if you go seek a therapist. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, they're gonna medicate you. No, like you gotta understand what 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 mental health and and, and counselors and therapists are about. Not yeah. every therapist and not every counselor is gonna medicate you. Yep. Like that's that something really different. Just that happen. Like that's, that's something different. Like, different. Yeah. That could be psychologist or you know psychotherapist, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. Like like that's more or less what they do. Um. But we're talking about therapists, counselors, things that you need to unpack your trauma with. These yeah. people can give you tools. These people yeah. can give you tools. They are they are licensed professionals to give you the tools. A lot of times, yes, your pastor is there for counsel for certain things. Mm-hmm. Give you certain words of wisdom, motivation, scripture, cool. Mm-hmm. Right? You need that. That's yes. great. But when it comes to this mental health thing, they're not they're not equipped. I'm gonna be honest. They are not equipped, they're not licensed to deal with certain things. Yep. yep. Depression, anxiety, trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is these are real life things. And that your job is to pray to find you or guide you to the right 
therapist to mm -hmm. the right counselor. Exactly. Okay, that just like you do with your regular PCP, your regular yep. primary care physician, you say, Lord, please let me get the right one. Lord, bless the hands of the doctors that are about yes. to do this pr procedure. Yes, yes. that's what y'all do. Yep. That's what, so it's the same thing for your mental health. Yeah. Especially in, in our community, we got to stop with this stuff. Like, oh, like, oh, no, what kind of mental health? If I go see a therapist, that means I don't got no faith. That means I don't have any faith. That means I'm not as good as a Christian. That means I'm a, I'm a baby Christian. We got to yep. stop. That And that's such, that's such a big stigma, particularly for, you know, Black people. Um, it's, and it prevents us from, you know, being healed. It prevents us from getting the help that we need. And like you said, it's it's something it you know, I believe it's starting to change, but we've always we've always had the belief of, okay, so if I go to therapy, that means I'm crazy. Right? That's that's been a stigma for a very long yes. time. Um, and then it's the whole thing, if I go to therapy, that means I don't believe in God, which is so not true. Right? So mm -hmm. not true at all. So those are like two stigmas that are really hurting us, hurting us as a community hurting us as black people because mm -hmm. and then the whole thing of here's the here's the other big one Shh, we don't talk about family stuff whatever goes on in the house stays in the house right we, no, we're not so. talking about that what you talking about that for right mm -hmm. so family secrets is another I have wow. a family secrets and the journey continues like Shh, hush don't talk about that we're not talking about that right so mm -hmm. family secrets are such a hindrance and hurt black black families and they, they hurt black communities. You need to talk about the stuff that we is do. going on that, that is hurting you, mm -hmm. that you're being impacted by. Um, and you know, we are very proud people, and I totally get that, but we need to start um seeking the support that we need in order to be healthy. Mm -hmm more healthy individuals so when we're more healthy individuals we're more healthy moms we're more healthy dads we're able to have healthy relationships mm. with our children because mm. it goes on it it, it goes on it, it impacts everything because when we don't deal with trauma it impacts other areas of our lives it's not going to stay in one little bubble nope. and stay isolated in one area of our lives it, it doesn't work like that trauma no. impacts every part of our life and so we need to come away from the okay we don't talk about stuff that we don't talk about family business or we're not talking about that because it happened so long ago it definitely needs to be talked about whether it happened five years ago or 15 years ago if it's impacting you and how you function how you raise your children mm. how you know, you know all of that it needs to be talked about um and so that's that's a a couple of stigmas that we deal with in in the black community that has really um been detrimental to us as a community it has and um and and what people say you know what happens in this house stays in this house one is a lie um because <laughs> the problem is the people that's in the house end up leaving the house and they move out. Yes. Your kids move out. So let's mm -hmm. let's just say you got a family of four, five. Sometimes people like having big families, even if it's two or three, whatever. All the trauma that's been in that house, they move out. 
and they create what? Different houses. Yep. It could be in many different places. It could be in San Diego. It could be in Las Vegas. It could be in Atlanta, New York, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they create new houses. Mm -hmm. And that's trauma with them. That trauma doesn't stay in that old house that you grew up yep. in. Trauma is in, the, is in the new houses. Yep. And then you create those issues and problems mm -hmm. and it's passed down to generations and then now you have kids and then you pass it down now they go out yeah. right mm -hmm. you want to talk about multi-level marketing you know those pyramid schemes and all that stuff mm -hmm. right? that's like what happens it goes from house to house to house to house to house right yeah. and we have a generational trauma that continues and that grows and it spreads like a cancer mm -hmm. right and these are things that we've really got to get a hold of because we don't have the same energy for physical ailments. Mm -hmm. See, if you have, a, a, it's like I said, a broken leg, you're not going to have a problem going to the doctor. You're going to take yourself and you're going to go. You're not going to say, oh, I don't want to seem weak. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to seem like God's not going to heal my leg. Mm -hmm. you're not going to do that you're going to take yourself and you're going to go to the doctor if your kid is sick and running a fever in the middle of the night you're going to get yourself up and you more than likely going to take your child to the emergency room to see yep. what's going on yep right but when it comes to mental health oh no oh no oh no no no, no that doesn't happen in this house mm-hmm you're and lying. we hide it and we cover it up and you know and we think by not talking about it it's going to go away it does not go away it does not go away at all manifest it, it manifests itself in so many different ways um but it does not go away out of sight it does not mean out of mind it does it, not mean it at doesn't all. either men are dying at an early age health complications, heart attacks, things like that, stress, strife. Nobody wants to talk about certain things that's building up within them, that's mm -hmm. holding them in here and up here. You got yeah. all types of stress and traumas and triggers that's that's paying rent here and here. They got whole real estate, land, all, all in yeah. here. Yeah, yep. People don't want to discuss the traumas that's in their families because if because if you would discuss it, you'd find out your uncle was a molester. You find you find out your stepfather was was an abuser. We not the secrets come out. Family secrets are so are so dangerous, you know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, particularly in black families, we have you know uncle so and so. Um, that passed away and then mm. we find out when that uncle passed away like all of this stuff and you're like what when when did this, when did this happen? happen family secrets are hurting black families they are hurting black families and if we continue to think that oh we're not talking about this and like i said out of sight is out of mind but it's no mm. no yeah we we are not going to be healthy that way we're definitely we can't be healthy and when I say healthy, I mean mentally and physically. So right. we cannot be healthy if we're 
carrying secrets. Yeah, we go to the gym, looking good, six packs and muscles everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, ah, ah, I'm bad. Or yeah, I'm handsome. Or, oh, look at this. I like, you know what I mean? I look good. Like It's like, that's beautiful. But internally, you're in turmoil. You mentally, are- emotionally. Yep. Right? And yes, there is a place for giving it to God. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Give it to God. But go get some help too. Yep. Please. Work hand in hand. Because if I'm not mistaken, the good book says faith without works is dead. Yep. That's what it says. Activate your faith. And that's part of it. That's that's a part of activating your faith. Right, right. That is a mm-hmm. whole part of activating your faith. You know what I'm saying? Like if that's the case, half of y'all wouldn't have went to college. You would have just said, Well, I'm gonna go ahead because you all right, because like, look, you got a bachelor's and two masters, right? If it was just about just hey man, I'm gonna have faith for these degrees right here. Okay, I'm gonna have faith for these degrees, they're gonna pop up right here tomorrow. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. a bachelor's, I'm gonna have I ain't even gonna have to pass these tests. Yeah, I ain't gotta study nothing. I'm just gonna have faith that I'm yeah. gonna get these bachelor's degrees and master's degrees. I ain't gotta study nothing, yep. and it's gonna magically appear. Nope, doesn't work that, like that. That's not how it works. Nah. Okay. 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 Because you have to that's do what? You have to activate your faith. You have to activate your faith, and you have to put in the work. Work. Yep. And you that's have to go it. seek at that out. You have to go seek that out. You have to go seek out the information. You have to go to school. You have to do all those things to get mm-hmm. the things that you needed to get. It's the same thing with your mental health. Mm-hmm. Seek God. Seek wisdom and knowledge and understanding, yes. But and go seek help. Yep. And and just pray that God guides you to the right people. And God and, and guides you to the right that. safe spaces as well, the right friends, the right safe spaces, the right people to talk to. Like, come on, people. Yeah, and, and also understand that as you are seeking therapy and you're going to therapy, you're attending therapy regularly on a regular basis that usually means weekly let me just say that you would have monthly. to work not monthly not oh i haven't been in therapy in three months let me try to go and think it's going to work it doesn't work like that you have to put in the work you have to it is going to be hard um it's work because you're 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 dealing with traumas you're you're dealing with things that you have held on to for years. So I think a lot of people have this impression about therapy that it's like, oh, it's like a magic wand and I wave it and I'm going to be, no, it doesn't work like that. It's work just like anything else. Mm -hmm. Please don't don't go into a therapy center or go see a therapist and think that it's going to be a one, two, three, I'm healed. I'm walking out the door thing. It doesn't work like that. You have to put in the work and part of it is showing up for your sessions. Yes. And talking to your spouse is not therapy. It might make you feel better. And it's good that if you have a spouse that you can talk to. Absolutely. Um, Talk to your spouse. But they're not a therapist. And the one thing that you don't want to do is ending up just feeling like you're dumping on your spouse or dumping on your friends and just dumping all of the stuff that you have all on your friends. And then a lot of times you end up bleeding all over them because you're not healed yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, y- your husband or wife is there to, to to comfort, to discuss, to be there for you through 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 thick and thin, through sickness and health. Absolutely. 
but you got to do the work to get healed. They they can't heal you. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't heal you. Like you you've got to put in the work to make sure. You know what I'm saying that that you're getting the help that you need. In addition to them giving you safe spaces, because what's the point of having a safe space if you're not putting in the work at therapy and and you're not like what like what is the whole point of this? Because you're just going to keep going in circles. There's also many different forms of therapy. There is individual therapy and then there's like group therapy or Uh support, right? Yes. So a lot of survivors, they will attend support groups. Um, I will say if you are just starting your healing journey process, you need to attend both, right? You need to have your individual sessions with your therapist. Okay. And having a support group is like, like you said, is creating that safe space. Mm. So feel like you are not by yourself because there are other people in the group that have experienced somewhat what you have experienced and gone through. So Mm. a lot of times when we're dealing with trauma, we feel like that we are by ourselves. So Mm. sometimes support groups can kind of help us um, in that regard that we are not alone and, you know, and there's somebody else in the group that I can relate to. Mm. So if you are starting your healing process, I definitely encourage you to to attend therapy and also find a support group. Have those people in your life that you can identify as safe spaces that you can talk Uh to um, without trying to fix you, right? Uh Because sometimes we want to fix things. We want to um, make everybody feel good, right? And I don't want them to go through this pain and that's not what it is. That person has to go through their own process. Uh They have through their own process of healing and so allow them to do that you know be that space for them to be that listening ear for them but you can't go through that process for them they have Mm. to go with themselves so therapy is important and finding a support group is also important so you don't feel like that you are alone that you know there are other people um that's why survivor groups are so powerful Right. And and that's one of the reasons why I, I provide I I advocate for um for survivors in regards to creating safe spaces because there are so many people who have held on to their abuse and because as I said before, society is not kind. Um yeah. it, it's it's been a little better. Um, but society overall has not been kind to survivors. They, you know, there's a fear of not wanting to share what I've gone through because I, there's a fear of I won't be believed. Like, you know, they're not going to mm. hear me. They're not going to listen to me. Um, and that's why survivor groups are so important. And that's why having safe spaces are so important. Um, but you can't do, you can't deal with this by yourself. You need support. Mm. Um, you need people around you that's going to support you and encourage you. Um, you need a a plan. Also, uh. when I say a plan on those days that you feel like you're having a lot of triggers, a trigger would be something that brings you back to your your place of abuse. That it could mm. be a smell, it could be a conversation, it could be anything that triggers you. So having a plan, when we're talking about like life after abuse and moving forward after abuse, you need to have a plan. So what happens when you are triggered? What is your plan? Maybe I need to call a, you know, one of my support people 
and let them know what happened and say, hey, this happened to me today. I'm, I'm being triggered. Can I just, you know, share, right? Can I share with you what's going on? Oh, I need just, you know, just I need to calm down. Can you just, you know, help me through this? So having a plan and having those people that you can identify um, is so important that can create that space. So I, I will give you an example Um I would say a couple, about two years ago, not so long ago, right? So I, like I said, my abuse happened when I was 12 and 14 years old. But even now, having those things in place continues to help me in regards to my healing process. So there are going to be things that you're going to have to do, right? Even as you are walking in your healing, when you feel like, okay, I'm fine. There are going to be things that trigger you no matter what. It's just, what are you going to do? So this example is I, I had a, a GYN appointment and my regular doctor was not there because I went to the wrong office. And um, they offered for another GYN to see me. And I was being, I was triggered. Why? Because I was accustomed. And one of the things that um, you will find about survivors is that, you know, once we get comfortable with something, certain changes will, that it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us. So like, for example, a, a change in a GYN for me, I was like, okay, no, no. Right. So I'm coming to expecting to see my, my regular GYN and they're saying, oh, so-and-so can see you. Now, so-and-so happens to be a male. Now, I already told you what my issue is with that, right? So I had to totally calm myself down because I was being triggered. And I like I felt like I wanted to flip over tables and, and chairs. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, you want to your happy self down. You want to get yourself together. Yeah. And you want to calm yourself. And I had to, and that's a lot of self-talk. You have to talk to yourself. Sometimes you have to talk yourself from the ledge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're okay. You're you're fine. Nobody's hurting you. And this is the conversation that I had to have with myself. You're okay. It, uh-huh. It'll be right. And so I went to see the GYN. I was fine. And I left. But after I left, I made that phone call to one of my support people. Hey, I got to talk. This is what happened to me. Uh-huh. I was triggered and I had to calm myself down. But that's from years of knowing what I needed and knowing when, you know, what's going to trigger me. Right. Now, I didn't expect that, right? Because if a lot of times if we anticipate something, we can plan for it, but you always have to have an emergency plan. And right. that was the plan that I had to, I had to, had to talk to myself. And a lot of times survivors have to do that. Like, you're okay, you're safe. Like you're not in any danger and you can just try to calm yourself down. But that comes from years of practice. So having a plan is so important. Having someone that can talk to you, that will support you, that understand your situation. Um, It's also part of what you, what you need, like moving forward in, in regards to like walking in your healing, that it's, it's a tool, like, and that's what we use tools for everything else. You know, we, we still, we need tools when it comes to our mental health. And this is just a tool that we use. So. Mm. Man, you're giving out gems right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Cause I think a lot of people who are going through this and this is men, women, right. Um, 
and even young people, you know, who will listen to this, it, it can really get something from this because everything that you're saying is absolutely spot on. And everything that you're saying, people have felt this before, um, but may not know how to navigate these mm-hmm. these waters, you know. So one, I appreciate you, um, you know, having this conversation because it's so important. Um, there are young women, young boys, you know, who are being abused, um, unfortunately, right? Every, every day, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And then even some of, you know, the adults that have been abused, like, you know, certain behaviors that they have now, um, you know, it's, it's, it's because, you know, of that trauma. Yeah. Right. And it's very unfortunate. Um, and it's very sad, you know, but, you know, the purpose of this is just to, to say, hey, man, like, how can we, how can we begin again? Because there's also, speaking of stigmas, there's also shame um, that, com- shame. that comes okay. along with this and guilt, right? Shame and guilt. Yeah. You know, that, that come along with being abused. And that's even crazy to say, because it's like you're the one that's abused so why do you feel shame why do you feel like this you should be the one that doesn't feel like this you should you know the other person shouldn't feel safe the other person should feel shame mm-hmm. they should feel hurt because of the actions that they did but instead it's the victim yeah so when and, I think about, mm-hmm. sorry i didn't want to cut you off but when i think about guilt and shame Mm-hmm. I think about like for a young child whose parents are getting a divorce, right? Mm. And what the child does is they automatically blame themselves. What did I do to mm. cause mommy and daddy not to be together? That's maybe good. if I would have cleaned my room more, maybe if I would have did this, then mommy and daddy may not be getting a divorce. It's the same thing. We as survivors, we always blame ourselves for, mm. and for survivors is, well, maybe if I didn't wear something, right? Or maybe if I didn't do so-and-so, um, then this would not have happened. It, and it happens continuously. So we carry that shame and guilt. And part of that healing process and seeking support and going to therapy is there was nothing that you've said or done that caused somebody to do this to you. Mm-hmm. And once we are able to actually hear it and embrace it, and walk in that because there's a there's a hearing that because you know we've heard that many times mm-hmm. right and then there's like okay let me just really take this in and honestly accepting it that's when that shame and guilt starts to go away but it's a process but when I think about that I always think about a young child who blames themselves right for a, their parents who are no longer together it's like mm-hmm. I would have done they start with if I I should have or how come I didn't do so that's that's also a process but it's also something in that is typical when it comes to survivors we have that that shame and guilt and particularly like for in my situation where I was very familiar with my abusers like they were relatives right or very uh. close close family um friends like what did I do like Uh. what I do to make them do this to me and the honest truth is you didn't do anything you know I didn't do anything 
You know, there's nothing that somebody says or does that causes somebody to do this to them. But that's part of the healing. And having to hear it and to also embrace it and accept it and to say that I've not done anything, um, that's part of the healing process. And it sometimes that takes a while. Mm. And sometimes, um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, shame comes from also could be religion depending on what religion you are you know because some religion is just supposed to you know well of course you know it's pure and this and that and Mm -hmm. um and then Mm -hmm. now you know because you know i think when you're given to your husband quote unquote right in certain you know religions and things it's supposed to be pure right and um and so if you get sexually assaulted the fear of, of admitting now that quote unquote you're no longer pure because of this yeah um and that is something that could be problematic as well that can cause shame and grief um and isolation mm-hmm. because who can you go to to tell because now if you tell your parents might find out your potential, I guess, when they match, not that they match make, but, but, you know, when they set you up, right? Like now that family might find out too. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on you because you're trying to keep up of this facade, right? That this didn't happen. And that's, and that in itself could be problematic and, tra- and traumatic again. Yeah. Right. You know, one that you're living a lie, right? You know, and that this didn't happen to you, but it yeah. did. And sometimes you could want to scream and tell somebody so bad, you know, because at first you may not want to. It could, it, it could be easy to lie. It could be easy to just oh, didn't happen, right? But then once you start to do the work, oh, and then once you begin to acknowledge, it's like yo, you want to tell. You might want to tell somebody, right? But then it's just like I can't. Yeah. And and that particularly happens like um when we are when like you said the the religious backgrounds of okay your your skirt has to be below the knee and if you don't wear your skirt uh below the knee that means you're you know that you're being too um what's the word provocative. And so if when if when we grow up in households like that that yeah. teachers think like that then of course that promotes more shame mm-hmm. and guilt because the day that I decided not to wear, not to wear my skirt below my knees and I wore it like above you know above my um my knee this is when this happened to me so it must be my fault oh uh, victim shaming Yes. Um, victim blaming and you're blaming the victim saying that yes. this, this happened because of this yep. oh, see that's disgusting on, and, on, and on, you, on so many levels finally, and if you go home and say something and you know that continuously gets fed if that person said well what did you have on what were you wearing wow. you, you know what did you expect that was going to happen because unfortunately we still have households that are like that we still have young girls who are being raised like that you know and that is like if that's what my my parents said how how am i going to say anything else it was my fault so they they hold on to that that secret right there goes wow. the secret 
it. They hold on to that secret and they don't, they never tell anybody. And then they grow up to be young adults who have unhealthy relationships mm-hmm. and can't, you know, it, it just, it's a, cycle. it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle that continues and all because of this is how I was raised. And when I did, and this is the fear of so many survivors, when I did want to tell somebody or I said something to them, this is what was told to me. So why would I dare open my mouth and share it with anybody else again? Wow. And which creates a whole nother level of trauma. A whole re-traumatized. Mm-hmm. We are now re-traumatized. So I don't want to be re-traumatized again. So I'm not right. going to say anything. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. So this is why survivor support is so important. And this is why um, even having these conversations with our our young ladies are so important. Um, and I'm not saying that etiquette and dress is not important. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to, if when we want to teach etiquette and dress, there's a way to teach it, right? But this is not the way. This this is not, when we send that message, that's the wrong message. I'm not going to lie to you. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say this. This is just the, the views I'm about to say is expressed by just Tito. I don't care what she got on. <laughs> Abuse is not okay. No, it's never okay. I don't care what she has on or what she doesn't have on. No is no. There's no, no. There's no reason, rhyme reason for you to push yourself on somebody because mm-hmm. of something that they have or or, or don't have on or, or her yep. skirt is too no like I don't like no it's no I don't care if she has on a mini skirt it's no it's no and I, I think one of the reasons why I said that is because I I do believe and and uh, there are people from I think when we run in, when, where we get the problem from is when we do extremes right mm-hmm. we go one extreme to another like you said no it's no and it does not matter what she has on it doesn't matter at all now we do have families in the way that i was raised there was a there's a certain way that you should dress right mm-hmm. and i understand that there's yeah. a place for that mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying there's a place for that right however if no it's no regardless and a girl or a young lady should not should not be um should not feel guilty or should not be uh, referred to as being loose or provocative because she's wearing a certain attire. Right. right? Because now we're sexualizing, like, especially when like, like with you, like you you said you were 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. Why are we sexualizing 12 and 14 year olds and what they have on? First of all, let me just be clear. Like what, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I have God kids. I have six God kids. Like I don't have any kids yet, but I have like six. God- I and they're getting up there ninth. Like I don't. I don't even know what possesses people and whatever. But it's just. But for me, it's like you don't sexualize kids. You don't sexualize um, adults either. But like you really don't sexualize kids. Like be clear. I don't care what they have on. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like please. So I, I don't care what kind of family you come from. Oh, you got to have 10 inch skirts or whatever the case is. That's cool. But at the end of the day, there's responsibility for all of us to not sexualize everything. These kids, I don't care what they have on. Yeah. Period. There's a responsibility. 
it everybody has yes so um yes because you teach your kids as best you can to okay to dress properly right and to do all of the things that you're supposed to do right as a parent but as the village as people that's close to the families or whatever the case is and whatever that is you're supposed to be the safe space Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be the predator. You are supposed yeah. to be the safe space. You're not supposed to be the predator. You're not supposed to be preying on these kids. Yeah. You're not supposed to be sexualizing these kids. Oh, well, they, they should have had a... No, no, no. They shouldn't have had a... No, nothing. Yeah. It's you. Ha- like, like we, and I'm a little passionate about this because, you know, I have godchildren. I have goddaughters. Like, I... And I don't want anything like this to happen to to, to them. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything like this to happen to any of my friends. I, I have women friends, friends I've known for years. When they go out, they have a good time. They're in, and they're adults, and they can wear what they want when they want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you the right to yeah. try to force yourself on them because of what they have on. It does not give you the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even and. We're talking about women right now, but listen, men too, boys, men, mm-hmm. boys get sexually abused by both women in the family and men in the family. Yes. And then they grow up and they're taught, don't say anything, don't communicate, don't express your feelings. You've got mm-hmm. a lot of boys that have been abused, that have grown up to be men that have been abused and that have been taught to say nothing. Yeah. Be and I quiet. think it's, I think it's worse for um the men because they it's not it's not um masculine i guess right or manly for them to to be vulnerable and to share things like that so i think uh for to a certain degree men have it worse than than women um it wasn't until the last couple of years that we started hearing of men being um being abused and uh, let me just say this, and I'm going to start with this disclaimer. I am not making excuses, but I will say one of my abusers did tell me that he was he was molested um, by somebody in his family, right? Mm-hmm. I well, actually not somebody in his family, but a woman that he knew. Again, not making excuses, mm-hmm. but it does happen, right? Right? It, right? it does happen, and I would say that men have it the worst because you know i think most recently we hear like tyler perry right who's who came out in the, within the last couple of years and i think mm-hmm. comment also so i think it also happens um to men but the reason why it's important for tyler perry and a common to say to talk about these things because it opens the door for men to share because yep. it, you know it's not you know men don't talk about things like that. No. Because, and, and why they don't talk about things like that is because uh, they have not been given a safe space to talk about things like that. Like we're uh, talking about. And, and also the difference is if, if, if a guy is in school, he's a teenager, he could be 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And he's, and you, cause you hear about this in the news, uh, the, uh, high school teacher sleeps with teenager or one or one of her students. Mm-hmm. That boy is like he's a hero. 
oh my god i can't believe you slept with the tr no he was abused yep he was abused it's facts yep because if that was a 14 year old girl and a high school teacher male it's abuse it's abuse yeah. right so one we've got to start changing the language we got to start changing the language and also how we view men and when it comes to abuse mm-hmm. like it's not cool like just because a, a, a dude plays high school ball at 15 and then somebody who's a 25 year old woman wants to sleep with him and now he's the man mm-hmm. but if mm-hmm. a 25 year old man wants to sleep with a 15 year old girl that's rape yeah. and it is it's it fact. Is. yep but the 25 year old woman that slept with the 15 year old that's rape too. I, I don't care how good he plays ball. I don't care how many points he puts up. I don't care how many touchdowns he scores or whatever he do. Yeah. I don't care if he's gonna be a number one college recruit. If he's underage and you're over and you're over the age, it's rape. It's rape. Um, I I wanted to talk a little bit about preventive measures. So mm-hmm. which leads me into um my book that's coming out in the fall oh let's go okay okay new book alert new book alert let's go okay Um, i want to hear about this book the silent cries of a black girl is the is the title of it and it's the title by the way thank you it's more of a of a guide for parents for caregivers for counselors for social workers anybody who has a role working with young girls young teen girls and it's not only my story in detail but it's also signs for people to pay attention to to recognize in the possibility that the girl that you are working with may have been um, sexually abused or molested so I'm really excited about that book because I think preventive is um, and catching it early is it's really really important. And one of the things that I talk about is the the rapport that parents need to have with their with their daughters, right? Just mm. building relationship. Or how was your day? And you know, who are you going out with? And knowing your um, your daughter's friends and having you know opportunities for to share, like having open conversations with your children. And that's a key part of preventive. So right. you know when something is wrong, you'll know when the behavior changed. And I, I also share in the book that I was a very quiet child. Mm. Um, so because I had working parents, right? My parents didn't particularly know that something was really was really wrong because I was right. very served I was to myself so just being aware and being aware of the signs helps to you know probably uh, assist this young lady into getting the support and what does support look like as we talked about a little bit in regards to seeking therapy and having support and maintenance maintenance is that I'm still going to go to therapy I'm still going to be a part of my support group when I have a setback right Um, I'm going to go back and seek the support um, that I need. So maintenance is really important and it helps you continue to heal. But I'm excited about the silent cries. And the reason why it's, it's entitled to silent cries is we have so many young girls, we have so many women and men, as we mm-hmm. just finished sharing, 
who are not talking about what they have gone through. So mm. they are, they, they're walking in, the, they're still walking with their trauma. Mm. So you think about the many ways a person can be traumatized and the, the traumas that they have gone with. If you think about us as a collective society, mm -hmm. we've the traumas we have dealt with with COVID, that's a big deal. That's, that's a big trauma. Mm, so imagine, and that's why we're in the mental health crisis now, mm -hmm. right? You know, therapy centers are like, over, they're overbooked because we, we have gone through COVID and still in COVID and people are not okay. And they're no. seeking support, which is what you're supposed to do, which I think is awesome. But that's, it continues to be a trauma. And mm. so imagine just walking with your trauma that happened to you years ago. And you've mm. never talked about it at all. So that's where the word, the silent cries come from. Because a lot of times we are silent about what happened to us until one day we decide today is going to be the day that I talk about it. Today is going to be the day. Mm. That was for me. Mm. That was for me the day that I, I had to write a note on, because I couldn't tell my mom, right? I couldn't verbalize it. So today was, for me, it was like, today is the day I'm going to say something about it, whether I write it or not. And that's what I did. I decided to write a note and leave it under her makeup compact so she could see it when she got wow. home. Wow. I was so scared. I was more scared. And what, what drove me was fear. Wow. I was so scared of what mm -hmm. he was going to do next to me that I said, today is the day. So for anybody, any survivor who was listening, let today be your day. Let today be your day. Wow. And I think that we're going to end this on that note. Mm -hmm. Let today be your day. Um, be your and that's day. powerful because it's true. You got to start somewhere. So let today be your day. Um, again, um, looking forward to, to, to the new book new book alert i mean do you want to give a date yet or do you just want to leave that a secret until oh so, i don't have an exact date but okay. i will say okay. october october 2022 it should be coming out the silent cries of a black girl the That's silent cry the silent cries of a, a black girl i'm looking forward to supporting i'm looking forward to purchasing um you know and these are the kind of books that you need to go and purchase and buy for others like get them into centers. Like if you know schools, um, community centers, um, nonprofit organizations, this isn't a book to just keep to yourself. This this, uh, this is a book that people need um, to get, you yeah. know what I'm saying? To, to, to begin this healing process. So definitely please support um, this book. I, I could probably tell you it's definitely going to be amazing. And uh, it needs to be in all the schools. It, it needs to be in the nonprofits and it, it, it needs to be in the community centers. Um, buy the books and donate. Buy the books and donate. You know, um, you know, I was looking for donations and, 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 where, and where can we donate things to? You know, one, you can support this amazing human being right here and this amazing counselor who always, you know, puts herself on the line. <laughs> you know, being a counselor is not easy. Being a therapist is, is not easy. Uh, you intake in, in a lot, you know, um, but she put her, you know, her heart, her soul into her first book. And I know she, she put her heart and soul um, in the second book and it's very vulnerable. Um, so one, you can absolutely support this beautiful black queen right here. And then also you can also help other black girls too, that look just like her, um, 
begin their healing journey. Um, so again, Saya, appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate everything that you are for the community to 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 the world. Um, you are doing an amazing job. Please go follow her on all her platforms that she is going to give you in just a, a second. But just want to give you your, your flowers. You know, like you are amazing. You are like a, a survivor, yes. Um, but you're a warrior too. Um, you are for the community. You are for us. And I definitely appreciate you. Um, and I know other people do as well, but if nobody tells you, you are appreciated and you are loved oh, un- unconditionally. Thank you. So with that said, please tell the people um, where they can find you, um, you know, on all social media platforms, give, give them your website um, and where they can get the book once it does come out. Okay. So you can follow me, Saya Behagen, on Instagram and Facebook on TikTok and on YouTube. If you are interested in having a workshop for your girls organization or you want to know more, you can always go to my website, sayabehagen.com. I do also have resources there. I also want to let you know that I am doing an, another uh, survival workshop on August 21st at 1 p.m. in Cunningham Park. It is called Time Triggers and Tools. So, um, Maybe you may know somebody who can benefit from that. Please share the information. They have to register on my website, but it is free. It's a free workshop, but you just have to register. Um, The book, I believe, is going to be available on Amazon, um, or you can just order directly. You can just message me. Um, So that is all. Thank you. Perfect. Um, Again, it was an honor and a pleasure having you on. Uh, this this particular show, part two of our show, and this time, you know, it definitely felt better because I can do stuff like this with family. Um, you know, I, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, in my, you know, in these first three seasons, but it's definitely really cool when you can do it with family. Um, yes. You know, um, so definitely appreciate you, um, and I look forward to working with you more in the future. Yes, same here. Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it. Absolutely, appreciate you guys and tune in. Uh, Next week, another episode of Conversations of the Heart. It's going to be another great one um, concerning money management and building a money mindset. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That's it, man. It's your boy, T-Till. Thank you all for tuning in. Peace.